No fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Thanks for listening, downloading, and sharing. My name is Frank Salvato. Before we head into this segment of America's Third Watch, I wanted to touch on the announcement that Rona McDaniel is stepping down as the RNC chair after Super Tuesday primary contests. Quite frankly, the move is overdue. I'll preface this by saying that, as far as I know, McDaniel is a nice person. For all I know, she did the best she could in performing her duties as RNC chair. But the bottom line here is her performance was subpar, and it facilitated the tyrannical reign of the Biden administration, Obama 2.0. During her time as chair, McDaniel should have retooled the RNC to be a potent, pointed, and even vicious messaging machine. Republicans at the national level should have owned the narrative. Elected Republican members of the legislative branch should have been trained in messaging techniques, both for in front of the microphones and through their staffs. The RNC should have then turned its eye towards empowering the state GOP leaders in those same messaging techniques and methods. McDaniel should have made it clear to all 50 state leaders that there were goals to be met and that the RNC was there to help them achieve those goals. And then the focus should have been on the expansion of both the donor base and also the voting base. I won't castigate McDaniel for her spendthrift ways, but growing a war chest must come before new office furniture purchases. The expansion of the donor and voter bases can only be achieved through messaging and educating the RNC leadership on community organizing. That's right, taking a page out of the progressive playbook. And lastly, McDaniel failed at the most important role of an RNC chair, winning elections. Too many easy pickups at both the state and federal levels fell through the cracks because the RNC embraced the status quo of sucking at messaging. They owned no narratives, and in fact, but for making McConnell-like mumbling statements that bored the electorate to tears, allowed Democrats to demonize anyone running as an extremist or a MAGA candidate, never defending the idea that making America great again just might be a good thing, not a bad thing. Because the RNC exists in a hobbled state when it comes to messaging and narrative ownership, far-left assholes like Rob Reiner and George Takai spew lies, hate, and disinformation about Donald Trump that is easily proved wrong. Racist? Please. Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson couldn't get enough of Trump when he was cutting them checks. Islamophobe? Again, please. His administration was well on its way to achieving a lasting peace in the Middle East before Biden and Blinken fucked that up. Border security? Check. Thriving economy? Double check. Mounting homeownership across all demographics? Yep. Record minority new business startups? Yes, indeed. Any way you look at it, and now we get to juxtapose the presidential records of Trump and Biden, Trump's policies were infinitely better for America and the American people when he was president. 
But you wouldn't know that because the caustic imbecilic left owns the narrative. Their demonization gets to stick in the minds of the 13-second attention span voter because the RNC couldn't message its way out of a wet paper bag with a hole in the bottom. So, I applaud Rona McDaniel for her aplomb in her announcement that she would be resigning after Super Tuesday. But I won't be pining for the good old days when she was the head of the RNC. Her job performance as RNC chair was, well... Let's just nicely say that she wasn't good and leave it at that. When we come back, my current segment on America's Third Watch broadcast on the Genesis and Salem Broadcasting Networks. You're listening to Underground USA. Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi. I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. American Airlines. Rated the worst, losing the most bags, shrinking legroom during COVID. American requires passengers to show ID to fly, but attacks Texas's popular voter ID law. Why is CEO Doug Parker trying to appease the radical left? To distract from billions in taxpayer bailouts, from his $10 million payday, from Americans' record layoffs. Doug Parker, American Airlines, serve your customers, not woke politicians. They're funding abortions, demanding Americans comply with their woke climate agenda. They teach people that the U.S. is a system of white supremacy while stripping away your Second Amendment rights. A California Democrat? No. It's Bank of America under CEO Brian Moynihan. There's enough people pushing political agendas in America. Your bank shouldn't be one of them. Bank of America. Their lies start with their name. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. Without further ado, let's bring in Frank Salvato, as I said, from UndergroundUSA.com and the author of the book, Nullification. Happy Monday, Frank. Mr. Kyle. All right. Well, it's another great week of broadcasting. A lot of stuff happening. And Frank, uh, first and foremost this morning, you know, because I want to ask you about what's going on, obviously, in the with uh, the uh, South Carolina primary and the, uh, the Nikki Haley campaign and all that. But first off, let's let's talk briefly here about this Venezuelan migrant, right, who was who is uh, suspected of murdering the nursing student at the University of Georgia. But he was arrested in, in New York City five months ago for quote, endangering a child. I mean, this is a, this isn't just dropping the ball. This is, you know, a complete total travesty here. Yeah. It's dropping the ball twice. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to be here in the first place. So if, if the Biden administration had secured the Southern border as secretary Mayorkas claimed they had done repeatedly to Congress and others, uh, he wouldn't have been here. 
But then the second drop of the ball is the state of New York and New York City. If they were actually prosecuting people who committed crimes and making them pay penalties for their bad behavior, this woman would still be alive. You know, if, if we're supposed to be a nation of laws and not a nation of men, and that's been turned on its head, then the rule of law would prevail. And that means when someone breaks the law, there is a penalty to be, to be paid by the person who broke the law. And in a lot of these blue states, especially blue urban areas, they're not, they're not exacting penalties for people who do bad things including murder and, and aggravated assault and robbery. I mean, why would anybody want to live there? Right. Good question. Good question indeed. And of course, obviously, the this huge factor here of the, the fact that he was able to come across the border, the fact that he was caught, you know, doing something else, and then, you know, just lives to fight another day, and then this terrible tragedy happens. Uh, this is... This is on the Biden administration. This is on those people. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. And, and think about this. If he would have had to post bail, he probably wouldn't have been able to reach it and he would have been incarcerated in New York. So it's not even that they're not prosecuting these people. They're not even asking for bail for violent crimes. Exactly. Exactly right. And, and this, this is an outrage. And, and, you know, because now we've got a life cut short. Uh, and meanwhile, you've got the, the Democrat Party elite, the far left, hiding behind whatever it is, justifications they have for this open, porous border. And it seems to me that, you know, if if anything, this this needs to become a rallying cry. I mean, this this could be any one of us. Right. Of people who are just going about their daily lives and suddenly this terrible thing happens. It should become a rallying cry, and, and the people who are outraged should be extremely vocal about it, especially with their elected officials, but also with the people that don't represent them. They should be flooding the White House with not only telephone calls, but hard letters and emails saying the blood of this girl is on your hands. You've had the power all the time to secure the border because Trump did it already. Right. And and you've been playing politics with it. So you want to flood the country with the illegals because you think you're going to be able to get them on the voter rolls? You're putting politics ahead of the lives of, of people who are going to school to become nurses? And, and this is this is the game that you're playing? When it be when it comes down to death, the politics must stop. But I don't think the Biden administration is going to hear it. I don't think Democrats hear it. They've become the party of, so what? So what? Somebody died, so what? We're going to do this. There's consequences for this, Mr. Democrat. Yeah, so what? Yeah. Yeah, well, we understand that this individual had been in uh, El Paso back in September 2022, but he was released out of the detention center because they didn't have enough space anymore. So I guess they didn't send him back. They sent him out into the open in the United States. I'll tell you, Kyle, the people who made the decisions to let this animal back out on the streets, they should be prosecuted for this girl's murder, at least as accomplices 
in aiding and abetting. Yeah, accessories to murder. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we've got the South Carolina primary now in the rearview mirror. Uh, Trump won it. Um, I And uh, sort of uh, the way Donald Trump might put it, he won it by a lot. He won it by a lot. It was about 59.8% to 39.5% over Nikki Haley. And uh, Nikki Haley, though, is bowing to stay in this race, although now she's lost the um, the financial backing of the uh, the Koch brothers, which is pretty significant. Oh, yeah. I mean, granted, they are, they were libertarian-leaning and, and not of the bulk of her big money that's coming in, because the bulk of her big money that's coming in are, are from very far-left benefactors. Silicon Valley benefactors. When you when you look at their at her campaign finance reports, you're seeing some very disturbing, um, very disturbing players like the Annabella Group. Um, these are people who who backed Barack Obama, who backed who backed uh, Joe Biden, who backed Hillary Clinton. Um, that this is their money machine. It's uh, the George Soros pitches into these people. So she's taking money from from the very far left in order to run her campaign. Uh, it was kind of weird to see the Koch brothers intermingled with them to begin with. But I suspect that the Koch brothers aren't the only big money group that are going to be leaving her campaign. You can't lose your home state by 20 points and change and and continue to say that you've still got this fantastic chance to win. And big money benefactors are more concerned with return on investment than they are with, uh, you know, with putting up appearances. Right. So I think I think Nikki Haley's days of the big money I've got so much might be the spigot might be starting to turn off. That said, we've got to start asking the question here on the right: What is she trying to prove? She can't win. She won't win and the longer she stays in the longer she's ticking the bigger and the more expansively she's ticking off donald trump so she's not going to be vice president she's not going to get a cabinet post in his administration he's he really doesn't like her now so what is her what is her modus operandi what is what what's her end game good question it seems to me too that voters voters like to have a clear choice on things, you know, and uh, the clear choice right here against Joe Biden is Donald Trump, because you can't have, uh, you know, in other words, the, the Nikki Haley, the support that you're describing here and so forth, it just kind of muddies up the waters and people feel like, well, wait a minute. What I want is a clean break from what's happening with Joe Biden and the far left. I, we don't want to have it be, as I think you mentioned, like intermingled, basically. And that's that's just not a clear choice. I mean, go back to Reagan and Carter, that that kind of thing. People want that kind of change at this point. Well, and and this is a byproduct of starting the silly season way, 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 way too early. You know, it, it was okay. We just had our general election, and Donald Trump did not care for the outcome. He made that abundantly clear, and he said, "Okay, I'm running again." And and pretty much pretty much announced, you know, just months after he was he was he left office. That's typically not the time span that we do presidential campaigns. It's been going on forever. So the primaries at this point, Republican voters have fatigue. 
and uh, the uh, the people who are saying, well, I'm gonna, I might consider somebody else, they're starting to get fatigue on this because it's a foregone conclusion now. Trump's base never left him, and that means without those voters switching camps and going for another Republican primary candidate, there's no not even a chance that a Republican would win against Joe Biden, even as inept as he is. So it must be Trump versus Biden, whether the never Trumpers like it or not. And at this point, if you're a never Trumper or you're someone who's supporting Nikki Haley, you've got to ask yourself why you want to hurt the country the way you're going to. I think that's well said because there, there, there is a crossroads here. And you're right. Some people, they just don't want to vote for Donald Trump for whatever reason. You know, they don't like him. They don't like his personality. They didn't like mean tweets, whatever that is. But right now, I mean, this is for all the marbles. I, I can't imagine what another uh, four years under the Joe Biden administration, who's ever coming up with these policies, you know, somewhere else in the White House, you know, uh, driving us down this road to to what really amounts to total destruction. And I'm not trying to be fantastical about that, but we can't do this anymore with the immigration and with the precipice of World War III every single day. I mean, this dude, we can't do it. Kyle, you're not you're not being fantastic about this at all. <laughs> you're you're being very straightforward. Yeah. The, the Biden administration has been the most damaging administration to the United States in the history of the country. We have record deficits. We have wide open borders where, as we said in the first segment, people are getting killed by these people and no one's holding them to account. We are a, we are a breath away from global conflict. We're also a breath away uh, from conflict with a nuclear superpower that has a, a million man army on standby and it can go at any moment. And, and they've got us in the crosshairs and are economically beating our butts all over the board. You know, so so you start, and not to mention the divide that has been created in the American people with the ridiculous ideological stances that this administration has taken. So it must be Trump versus Biden, and Trump must win. So a, a you know, if, if again, if you're one of those thirteen percent that really thinks Joe Biden's doing a great job, you know, I, I guess you're drinking the same the same Kool-Aid that Rob Reiner is, you know, read some of his tweets. But if you're saying that you're going to vote because of someone's personality, after you have this set of policies from Donald Trump that made the country vivacious, thrive, and made the economy good for everyone, not to mention the border was secure and we were not one second to midnight on the nuclear clock, and another set of policies where everybody is hurting, can't afford groceries, and we're wondering whether we're going to go to to world war, and you're still picking the guy who brought us to the world war, you got to ask yourself, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are asking what's wrong with Gavin Newsom, because he keeps saying now, or he was saying on the Sunday show, Meet the Press, he says, watching, essentially watching Joe Biden has been a master class, his, his administration has been a master class. I guess a master class in destruction, but other than that, and he also yeah. said his, his age is now an asset. Yeah, a master's, having, cla a master's class at Clown College. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. somehow, 
somehow it's an asset now. But this and this is they're they're trying to turn the Titanic around at this point. I mean, they really do think they can do it. They're trying to capture the narrative, and and that's all they care about. They don't care about the truth. They don't care that they're gaslighting the American people. They don't care that they're misleading the American people. They don't care that they're lying to the American people. It's about capturing the narrative to create a, an alter reality that everybody has to eat. And Gavin Newsom is an idiot. And and quite frankly, the you know people who vote for him in California, they've got to have their heads examined. They've got to look at the deficit. They have to look at the way their society is run. Take a take a trip through San Francisco, and and see what happened to the city where he came from. That's that's not good government. He's a megalomaniac who who believes his own grandiose illusion. So he gets on a Sunday talk show. Uh, I'm turning on something else. He's a waste of time. But he really thinks that somewhere, someday, a little bit further down the line, he might have a shot at the White House. Mr. Yeah. President Hairpiece or whatever it is. We want to give a shout out to Lucy uh, listening on 930 AM 930, The Answer. And uh, she had contacted us uh, just uh, a little while ago, not all that long ago. She had been in the hospital for quite some time and said that she really enjoyed listening to the program. The nurses there as well. They were all listening to the program. She's home now uh, four days early. And as she says, I think with the help of your happy program. Well, we appreciate that so much, Lucy. We really, really do. We're glad that you're feeling better. And as she says that she's got a couple of neighbors who are listening to the program and uh, as well. And uh, we appreciate that. And uh, we're just glad that you're home and that you're feeling better and that things are really looking up. And uh, thank you for describing it as a happy program. You know, it really is very cool. When we hear some of the impact that the program has for people out there, and uh, it just really it it does my heart good, and I know I know you're really happy to hear about this kind of stuff too. So that's why I wanted to let you know. Well, it's an it's an yeah, encouraging always to hear that somebody likes your product. Um, I'm not sure all the stuff we talk about is happy, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, yeah, but, well we have a happy well we have a happy attitude, you know. Uh, where this stuff doesn't get us down and. See, that's the thing. It's, you know, two, it's two minutes to midnight at the nuclear clock, but hey, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, but that's because we know that there are answers, you know, and we know we know what needs to change. And we know what policies need to uh, need to be adopted. And and it's just it's just madness to keep watching what the Biden administration, the far left and whatever, you know, the you know committee behind the scenes or whatever because more and more people and this is why i think frank that we keep seeing this push that no biden's old and wise he is the wise one and we're lucky to have him because they're trying to deflect this thing of he doesn't know which direction to go when the speech is over that kind of stuff well they're also setting him up to be the fall guy for a congress that did nothing but move ideological agenda forward right you know if if they could say, well, you know, look at all the things that he did were bad. You know, a president can do so much, but it takes a a willing Congress, at least one house of the Congress, and preferably the Senate, to aid the stupidity of the Biden administration White House. Chuck Schumer is not blameless in this. 
you know, he has facilitated some of the worst legislation that has hit Biden's desk, and he hasn't applied pressure, congressional pressure, onto the president to stop moving an ideological agenda forward and at least do something that Democrats can hang their hat on in November. Because right now they've got nothing. Nothing. That's right. That's, that's, right. Why that's why they're trotting out Gavin Newsom to say that Biden's old and wise. <laughs> I right. mean, wow. On the, on the lyometer, that one just pinged and broke it. Oh, yeah. Well, he's also trying to loud the idea that they passed all this legislation. They've got the CHIPS Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, and, you know, this stuff that doesn't do anything. I mean, that sounds like the Clean Water Act or something. Uh, it, last time I checked, inflation wasn't being having any reduction in that in the grand sense. And then they talk about jobs. But at the same time, we've got companies all over the place and they're cutting back, you know, big time on things. So I just don't know that it's a rosy thing that there people like Newsom are trying to tell us. They can count all the titles of legislation that they've passed that they want. What has it done for the American people? hasn't done anything. Every single one of their signature legislations that Biden crowed about hurt the American people. The Inflation Reduction Act? Seriously? All it, all it did was, was spike inflation and, and once again provide money to their political benefactors through either tax cuts or grants. You know, he still hasn't come off the green energy thing. And and right now, even the automakers are saying, you know, Joe, we endorsed you, but you got to stop talking about EVs because it's putting us in the poorhouse. And then nobody, and nobody talks about the weight of these cars on the roads. If everybody went to EVs, the roads would be destroyed. We would have to have so much money put into infrastructure just for roadways. Because of the weight of these vehicles on on the highways and the streets, that it almost negates the savings. And then don't get me started about the many, almost equal if not more, amount of scientists that are questioning man-made climate change right now. So if you are sitting there, you know, thinking that Joe Biden's doing the earth a great gift by pushing everybody to EVs by 2030, 2035, um, the auto industry disagrees with you. Well, exactly right. And then also, of course, too, you talk about weight. You know, I saw something the other day that, you know, some of these barriers that exist on highways and freeways and so forth, they're, they're not able to stand up if one of these things runs headlong into them. I mean, much less another car, you know, that's not an EV. Can you can you imagine one of those little echoes? Yeah, you know, getting hit by a luxury sedan with with the heavy lithium battery in it. I know I can. You know, just having one car smash into another and having to pick people out of it for a career for a for a long time uh, that wasn't fun. But these things, it, it it's like a a compact semi truck hitting a Pinto. Mm-hmm. You know, so. You've got all the safety measures that are on our highways, the barrels, the, the the safety rails, not set up for that kind of weight. You know, this was not thought through. And that seems to be a signature event 
with people who call themselves progressives, but who are really neo-fascists. They never think things through. Does it sound good? Will it get votes? Do you think we can get a bunch of people just to go, yeah, that sounds good and vote for us? Then let's do it. Yeah, but it's going to cause the earth to split in two. Well, we didn't think of that. Hmm. Well, exactly. And then also, you know, it's also about control. I'm glad you mentioned that term neo-fascist because, you know, the whole point sometimes is to make sure that you're just controlling not only just the narrative, but what people are able to do, you know, and the kinds of products they can buy. And that is the only goal that leftist Democrats have in mind is control and the retention of power. That's why I said in the first segment, they've become the party of so what? That's, a, that, that's actually the premise of the, of the lead piece over at undergroundusa.com. So what? It doesn't matter what the subject is. It's like, that's going to hurt the United States. Eh, so what? We get to keep power. We get to keep power and influence, and we keep to uh, we get to keep enriching ourselves. So, so what? And if, and if you say something against that, well, then you're anti Earth, right? You know, you're anti whatever that that you know you you just want to, you know to have a terrible environment or stuff like that. You're a, you're a racist. You're a bigot. You're a xenophobe. You are any number of phobes. You know they've they've got a corner on the market for creating words that end in phobe. You know, it's all about you being bad if you don't agree with me. They can't tolerate another viewpoint. If you're not marching lockstep like a nice little Nazi, then you are a bigot, a xenophobe, a phobe, 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 and and you must be silenced and or removed. You know, remember what Richard, what what Reich said after the last election? We may have to reprogram these people. Yeah, he was serious, I'm sure. <laughs> he was he yeah. was stone cold serious. So and Hillary Clinton echoed his remark. These these Trumpers. We may have to reprogram them. That's the tolerance of the Democrat Party and, and their hierarchy. And you, and if you're still voting D because you think it's your dad's Democrat Party still, you gotta wake up. Oh yeah. It's 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 gone completely. Exactly right. Well, Frank Salvato, undergroundusa.com, and go over there and check out that uh, check out that article he was mentioning. Also, author of the book Nullification, Frank, we're going to talk to you again on Friday, my friend. Hope that you have a great week. Stay long, my friend. If you like the podcast, subscribe, leave a comment, rate it if your platform lets you. Be sure to head on over to undergroundusa.com to sign up for our Substack which comes straight to you, circumventing the censors and the fact-checkers, because we both know that they're worthless, and that's been proven over time. And be sure to pick up your copy of Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government, available in Kindle and paperback over at Amazon.com. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato, and we will be back right after this. This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group.